0: And that right there is what I hope to address in a good way to repair in this series called Heaven Matters. A Barna poll recently found that the vast majority of Americans still believe in life after death. But listen to the commentary at the end of a crazy survey that I read. He said this. The problem is they're cutting and pasting religious views from a variety of different sources. And here's the sources he names. TV, movies, and conversations with friends. The result is a highly subjective theology of the afterlife, listen to this, that is absolutely disconnected from the biblical doctrine of heaven. We have gotten our theology from the culture, and I ask you, saints, when has that ever been a good idea with a good end? And I want to challenge you. Some of that theology you and I have embraced, and I'm going to ask you and command you to reject that and replace it with the truth of Holy Scripture in the next few weeks of Sundays. The problem is that heaven has fallen off our radar screen. And we're the worse for it, not the better. So in your outline, it's morning, what happened? What happened to heaven? What in the world happened to heaven and our love and longing for it? Well, first thing that happened is Satan happened. <laughs> Amen? That's the first thing. Satan is what happened. Did you know that Satan slanders three things in this world? He slanders God's person. God's people and God's place, which is specifically heaven. You agree with me? He's a slanderer. Jesus said he's a liar and he's the father of all liars. And he hates God. He hates God's people. But, oh, brothers and sisters, he especially hates God's place, heaven. Now, why would he hate heaven? Jot this down, just this reference. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture I want you to go read this week. Here's the first one, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Just jot it down in your outline. What is that? Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. This is the account where Satan is violently evicted from heaven. Do you all know a little something about that? What was his job in heaven before he got kicked out and evicted? Huh? Huh? Yeah, he was the praise leader. He was the worship leader of heaven until he decided he would be better at being worshipped than the one leading the worship. He would be better at being God than God would. And he started a rebellion in heaven itself. Can you imagine that? And God had enough one day kicked him out, and he took a third of the angels with him. There's some really descriptive language, apocalyptic language about it in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, how, he's, how that dragon swept a third of the sons of God from heaven in this eviction of evil from the holiest of places. What's that mean? He's angry. He knows what heaven's like. He's enraged that his eviction is resulting in our invitation. Did you get that? He's mad about that. He got kicked out, and we've been invited in to take his place. Not as the worship leader, but as worshipers. He don't like that. But here's the deal. I fully believe this. Satan is not trying to convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He's smarter than that. What does the scripture say? And I just read it the other day at a funeral. In Ecclesiastes 3, God has set eternity in our hearts, hasn't he? Even the pagan on the street, even the atheist neighbor that you have, don't let them fool you. They know God put eternity in their heart too. They know in the back of their mind and it bugs them that there's more to this life than this life. God put eternity there. So Satan's not trying to convince us that heaven's not real or doesn't exist, instead, he is trying and has been massively successful in the church to convince us that heaven is boring, that there's nothing to do. That's going to be one long, continual Episcopal service. I shouldn't have picked on the Episcopals this morning. Um, But they've made themselves a good target. (laughs) One long, boring church service. And by the way, church is boring when you're dead I tell Jack all the time Jack one day when Jesus changes your heart you're gonna love church but until then you're going and you're gonna listen you're gonna take notes amen if you're bored it might be me but more likely it's you because when you love when you love God, through his son, Jesus Christ, getting in his word and being admonished to worship him is anything but boring. And heaven's not boring. And I'm not going to get into a ton of it right now, but there's going to be work to do. I mean, this idea, we got this crazy I think it's satanic. We got this crazy idea that we're going to be a bunch of fat babies in diapers playing harps on clouds. Do you want to see this in a diaper? I ask you, is that heaven? That's more like the other place, right? <laughs> Come on. Where does that cut? That's insanity. That's not what the Bible says. But we had this, we would say, oh, I don't believe that. But we do get this weird idea in the back of our minds. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be nothing like that. Hell is social isolation. Social distancing in hell. Heaven, we're going to all be together shoulder to shoulder. Amen. And we're going to have work to do. There's going to be things to do, things to explore. And, and, and things to learn. He said, I'm going to know everything. No, you're not. Only God knows everything. I'm getting into sermons in the future, so I need to, you all need to stop that. Stop encouraging me to preach my next sermons. But we're going to have tons to do. We're going to have tons to learn. There's going to be food to eat. There's gonna, I believe there's going to be recreation. It's going to be amazing. And what you love to do here is just preparatory practice for what you're going to get to do there. Unless you're a police officer (laughs) or work in industries that exist because of the fallen world that we live in. Praise God, we won't need those anymore. Amen. God's going to give you something better to do. Heaven is a lot of things, but boring is not one of them. But Satan has been very effective in his con job on the church. So that's the first thing that happened is Satan happened. Well, what are, we, what are we supposed to do about that? How do we counteract that? Well, we counteract the lies of Satan with what? The truth of revealed scripture. God has showed us a bunch of stuff in here about heaven. And we got to ask him for help to understand it. We got to ask God to remove the blinders of our perverted, preconceived ideas about heaven. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.7, Paul says to young Timothy, Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord uh, will give you insight into all this. Ask God. James says, he who lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God who gives how? Liberally. You say, are you a liberal? Yes, I am. I believe God gives liberally, right? To who? To everyone who asks for wisdom. In other words, that means you don't have it. And and, and God doesn't hold it over your head for asking. He upbraideth not. He doesn't get after you for being dumb. He appreciates the fact that you ask. Ask for wisdom when it comes to heaven and what it's going to be like. Ask for God to open your eyes. David said in Psalm 119, 18, um, pray and pray with David this prayer. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. There's so many wonderful things in this book, descriptions and descriptors of heaven and what it's going to be like. And we need to ask God to open our eyes to the truth of this book and close our eyes to the lies of the enemy. Amen. And we, you and I, have swallowed some lies that Satan has worked very hard since the end of the Great Awakening to produce. Here's what else has happened. Not only has Satan happened, number two, we stop reading one verse too soon. (laughs) We do a lot of that. you got to read the Bible in context. Because when you take the text and pull it away from the surrounding words, you're often left with a con. Because what are we saying around here? Context is what, church? King. King, Read the whole thing. And I mean specifically where I asked you to turn 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter, I hear this all the time. When we talk about heaven um, in theological circles or, or in Bible study or whatever, with people that are in the know, quote unquote, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9 always gets brought up. Let me back up, however, to verse 6 to get the context. There's that word again, right? However, Paul says, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet, not the wisdom of this age, nor are the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So, we don't use the world's wisdom, we use God's wisdom. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, and a mystery just means something that has not been revealed yet. The hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages. Now, notice this for what? Our glory. How is hidden wisdom going to be for our glory? Because it's going to be unhidden. It's going to be revealed. Are you with me? Which none of the rulers of this age knew. So God blinded guys like Pilate and Herod and us. Why? Why why were they blinded to who Jesus really was? Yeah, because if they had known, Paul says, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. What's he saying? Does does God blind people? You better believe it. As our brother said a few weeks ago, Paul tells us in, in, uh, in the Corinthians, the God of this world, who's that? Satan has blinded the minds, the eyes of those who believe not, lest they should look at the light of the glorious gospel and be saved. They didn't get Jesus they did, they never would have put him on a cross because that was God's plan. Oh, but isn't it, isn't it, and this is, this is not in a sermon, so this, this is free. I won't charge you for this. Isn't it great? Isn't it great that nobody can thwart the plans of Almighty God? Amen. Jesus was going to that cross. And if it took blinding the eyes of fallen men and cooperating with their prejudice... And God was more than willing to do that to get his son on that cross so that we could be his children. Now, verse 9 is where we stop. And that's the problem here at all time. But as it is written, now Paul's talking about this blinding and this and, and what's coming and God's ability. Eyes have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. And that's what we say. Well, you can't know anything about heaven. Heaven is unknowable. See, even God says it. You, a, you, can't, you can't see it. You can't hear it. And you can't even imagine it. Oh, but what does verse 10 say? You, see, that's the, here's problem number two. You start reading one verse too soon. Look at verse 10. Read it with me. But God has, what's that word? Revealed them. Revealed what? These things they said you couldn't know. To who? Us. Through what? His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Don't tell me we can't know. That's not what this Scripture says. What this Scripture says is before Jesus you couldn't know, but now we have His what? Spirit. Spirit. And God has revealed those things to us. There's something for us to learn about what God's got prepared for us. So don't use 1 Corinthians 2, 9 as an excuse to say, well, we just just can't know. Yes, we can. Because verse 10 says, yeah, that was before Christ. Now we got His Holy Spirit and we're living in the Spirit. And we have this ability to embrace and understand and see and hear and experience as much as we can about what's revealed in this book about what God's got prepared for us. And, oh, beloved, what God's got prepared for us is some good stuff. Do you believe it this morning? It's some good stuff. So don't let that stop. It says the opposite. We should know and long for heaven. It's our home, and notice if you keep on reading after there. Um, verse eleven: For what man know? For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? How do you know anything? It's your spirit. You know that. Um, and he goes on to say, even so, or just like that, just how you know yourself, or you know other people. You ever you ever meet someone? You have a check in your spirit. It's like hmm. Or you meet someone like, and you've said one sentence to them and they to you and, and it's like your spirit is just one with them. You, know, you just know that's a child of God and that's someone I want to get to know and do some life with. You ever been there? That's what he's talking about. You know. Some people say it's your gut. But our gut has been sanctified through the spirit. Amen. And he says, this, even so, just like that, no one knows the things of God except the what? Spirit of God, you got the spirit, you got a sanctified gut. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from who? God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You know what those things are? Heaven. There's some things we got here, but there's a lot more we got there. Amen. Look at verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 14. But the natural man, by the way, that's a really good term. We like to say lost man, the natural man. Man who is only natural, but has not yet been supernatural. Man who has been born once but never born again. Natural man. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. No kidding. For they are foolishness to him. Right? Nor can he know them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. The understanding of these things comes through the Holy Spirit, the third person of Trinity. And by the way, I've had people come to me and I've learned. I'm a slow learner, but I learn. I've had people come and say, preacher, I read this Bible. It makes no sense to me. You know, my first question is, tell me about your conversion to Christ. Because you might have said a prayer and got wet, but that doesn't mean you were baptized through the Holy Spirit into Christ. Because the Bible says the Spirit opens our minds. To understand God's word and to discern it. 15. But he who is spiritual lives via the Spirit, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Now look at verse 16. I read all that to get to here. For, and this is from the Old Testament, who has known the mind of Jehovah that he may instruct him? Good question. In other words... You smarter than God? Who has known the mind of the Lord of Jehovah that he may instruct him? But what's the next word say in that verse? But, but, I remember when I was first in ministry as a youth pastor, don't ever do this. I had a room about 40, 50 teenagers and I'm trying to teach them how to read scripture. And I said, when you ever see a but, check it out. Not the thing to say to teenagers. (laughs) They took that a whole different way because they did not have the spirit of God. (laughs) But whenever you see that but, find out what it's talking about. This is not a comparison term. It's a contrast term. But what does it say? We have the mind of Christ. That's one of my favorite verses. If you have the spirit, and the spirit has you more importantly and actually maybe more accurately if you have as we talked about in our d groups this morning been plunged into Christ via the spirit baptized into Christ you have his what you have his mind and you have a supernatural ability to discern which means to understand, to embrace, and to adjust your living to what you know to discern the word of Almighty God as it relates to the truth of this place called heaven. Jot this reference down. Deuteronomy 29.29. Kind of easy to remember, 29.29. I've heard this one used in saying that, well, we can't know anything about heaven. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. True, right? But you got to keep reading. It's even in the same verse. Sometimes we stop one phrase too short. What does it end up saying? But, there's that word again, the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. Right? There's some secret things that belong to the Lord. But there's a whole lot that's not a secret. No longer a mystery because it's revealed both through the person of Jesus Christ and the teaching of his holy word. It's in the Bible. God's given us tons of stuff in here. And jot this down. The major place that you find about heaven is Revelation 20 and 21. You should should be reading those. I read you the first part of it today. Here's another pushback I hear. And I've even thought, I'm not going to lie to you, I've thought this myself. Do you remember, and you just jot it down, in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4, Paul, actually, the Bible says that Paul actually goes to heaven. Like, not how we're going to go, but he's taken up there to see some stuff. And, 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 and what do we find out in the scriptures there? Paul is basically prohibited from describing what he saw. He said, this just, you just keep this to yourself. Right. And so I've heard people say, well, because of that, you know, heaven should not be our focus. Whoa. Time out. You ever heard of the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ written by a guy named John? There's a whole book describing heaven. And what did what what did God say to John when he showed him heaven? Yeah. Write it down because it's good stuff. I'm that's terrible paraphrase, but it's basically what God's saying. Write this stuff down. It's good stuff, and my people need to know this. Amen? So because we got one little verse where God brought Paul up to the third heaven and said, "Check it out, but don't say anything. Keep it to yourself." And Paul basically said, "I, I, I don't even even if I wanted to, there, there's no words to describe what I saw. But John had a bunch of words to describe what he saw. And oddly enough, it's the only letter in the Bible, only book of the Bible, that says if you read it, you're going to be blessed. Now, I don't care what, what, what book of the Bible you read. If you read it, you're going to be blessed. Amen? But oddly enough, in the beginning, in the preface to this book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, you're going to be, you read these words, you're blessed. I'm so glad it doesn't say if you understand these words, you're blessed. Right? Because it's it's a, it's an it's apocalyptic literature. It's strange. Some weird stuff in there. Got beasts with all kinds of wings, eyes behind their head. I remember reading that as a teenager. I said, that's where my mother gets it from. <laughs> she got eyes in the back of her head. Right in there in the book of Revelation. <laughs> Not that you're a beast, Mom, I don't mean that. <laughs> but but you know, it's some strange stuff in there. But Bible says you're blessed if you read it, but there's a lot of stuff in there about heaven. And what we're gonna do. So the last point is this what now? Or, my English teacher would prefer me to put it the right way now what? Now what? Well, we find the answer to that in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Set your mind or your imagination where? On heaven. Set your mind, and by your mind, I think that includes your imagination on heaven. I know. That's why I love that. I do like that song, although I think it's very truncated. I can only imagine. It's kind of cool in this sense because it's honest. I can. All I can do is imagine what that's going to be like when I see the face of Christ. Oh, I think we're going to do all those things. We're going to bow. We're going to sing. We're going to dance. We're going to shout. All of that's going to happen. But that's not all of eternity. And that's where we got this strange thing. And I misled Frankie. That that, 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 that that eternity's one long church service. No, no, it's the best day of your life intensified by a thousand doing what we're made to do. And there's going to be work to do, things to explore and things to learn. But Paul says this. Look at, look at, look at Colossians 3. If then, and that word means since then, he's talking, he's talking to Christians. Since then you were raised with Christ, spiritually speaking, Seek those things which are where, church? Above. It's on the screen. Seek those things which are above. Well, well, what is that referring to? Well, if there was any question, Paul gives us the answer. And It's almost as if he says, seek those things which are above, parenthesis, and by above I mean, next phrase, Where? say it with me. Where Christ is. Where is Christ? Oh, Paul says he's not going to give that, leave that to your imagination either. Christ is where? Sitting at the right hand of God. And you can put a parenthesis there the Father. So where, where should, where should, what should we be setting our thoughts on and our mind on? Heaven. Do, do you not see it? Look at verse 2. Again, he's going to reinforce it. This, by the way, this is in the imperative. And what does the imperative mean? It's a what? It's a command. He's telling us to do something. And here it is. Set. And it's the understood you. You set your mind on things what? Above Above and not where? On things on the earth. And we have absolutely reversed that. We have set our mind on earthly things. You remember when I preached through this in Colossians? Uh, seek, set, and set not. I still remember that. Seek, set, and set not. Seek those things which are about. Go after heaven, like Edward says. I am resolved that in this life I'm going to live in such a way so I can have the most happiness in the next. There's a book that we read in in my class, a short story, it's not a book. I'm trying to think of who wrote it. You can go look it up. It's called The Mansion. And and it's a story about a wealthy man who lived very well on earth and his poor neighbor around the corner who lived poorly. And then when they get to heaven, um, the neighbor is in this amazing mansion. And the guy's like, oh, I can't wait to see mine. I mean, my poor neighbor has that. What, What do I have? And he comes around the corner, and he's got literally a little shack thrown together with a few boards. And he's incensed. He said, what's the deal? And his guide in heaven, who's taking him to his new home, says this. We can only work with the materials that you send on ahead. Think about that we can only work with the materials that you send on ahead now that's some bad theology and which is really cool because i can talk to my eighth graders about that why is that bad theology and it is but it kind of it isn't it isn't we are going to have crowns in heaven we are going to have jobs in heaven and i know i think the mindset of the church today is hey i'm just going to be happy to be there I don't care if I got anything to do or any rewards. I just want to get there. That's the wrong way to think about it. That's the wrong way to think about it. My, I want you. I want to encourage you to set your mind on heaven, on things above. Matter of fact, that's the goal that I have in this series, and I don't know how long it's going to go. But here's my goal. You might want to jot this down in some form so you keep it in mind and i'm going to do this too as i as i prepare these teachings for you here's the goal is to give you permission to imagine investigate and fall in love with heaven i want you to imagine heaven i want you to investigate it and i want to build in you an anticipation that you can't wait to get there i told the the gang uh, and i might say the ever shrinking gang in d group which has been discouraging Um, Y'all need to get back to our D groups because they are rich. I told the group out there today as y'all pray for me as I'm working on this heaven series. Uh, I'm getting so excited about heaven. I've got to stay away from tall places because I want to jump and end it all so I can get there. (laughs) It's so glorious. (laughs) Right. So that's my goal. I want you to give you permission to imagine heaven, to investigate it. And it's it's all in here. God's given us so much to know. And I want you to fall in love with it. I want you to anticipate it. I want you to send materials on ahead. So as Edwards said, I want to live our lives in such a way that we will have the most happiness, not in this life, but where? In the one to come. But I would submit to you And the Puritans understood this too the more we do that and the more happy we are here Puritans get a bad rap we have been lied to not only about heaven but about the people who loved heaven the most in our most recent history and that was the Puritans they were a joy-filled happy people because they understood and had a robust theology about heaven and along the way I hope to answer your questions, at least the ones that are answerable. Some of them aren't. And I want to give you a thirst for our true home. I opened with today's mantra on heaven, where we fear that we are so heavenly-minded that we are no earthly good. And I want to say to you, relax. You got nothing to fear. On the contrary, most of us are so earthly-minded That we are of no heavenly or earthly good. That's the problem and the reality. And I call you to repent. C.S. Lewis had it right when he said this, and with this I conclude. Quote If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves, who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire. The great men who built up the Middle Ages. The English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. All left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, that they have become ineffective in this one. And then he said this. Aim at heaven and you'll get Earth thrown in. Aim at Earth and you'll get neither. And I fear. We've been aiming at Earth. And that needs to change. And by God's grace, and only God's empowerment, he will open your ears and my mind. And together, through this short series on the next world, we will lift our gaze from this world to heaven and begin to seek the things that are above and set our minds there and release our minds from the shackles of this low goal called the present earth. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song and then the doxology. But as we do, I want to call you to respond. Yeah, he's been in here all morning. Yeah, It's all good. Just as you've lifted your eyes to see the bird, lift your eyes and see heaven. Unshackle yourself from the cares of this world. Stop building your kingdom here and build the one that is in the Father, we love you. We thank you for heaven. Um, Would you open our understanding so that we might be valuable to the world that is coming and love it more than the one that we're in. May we seek the economy of heaven where Jesus is seated at your right hand. May we set our minds in all of the imaginative power that you have endowed us with to imagine heaven in all of its glory and to live and strive for that and that alone. And may it burn away these false pretenses and these foolish things that we chase in place of that which matters penultimately both here and for eternity. Would you give us a desire to be with you in this new heaven and new earth, this world that's coming, how amazing it is going to be. And may we endeavor to bring many people with us. Not for ourselves or so we can be comforted because our kids are there, but because you are worth it. Wake us up to how good you are So we understand what you've prepared and what is coming in Jesus' name. Go into grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and expand His kingdom.